everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Well, today we have a real treat. Uh, we've got, if you, if you follow her on Instagram, you follow the School of Betty, at the School of Betty, um, but it's actually uh, Brianna Firestone, or Brie, as she goes by, and she is all about helping women kick money stress, pay off debt, and design a badass life they love. She's a certified life coach and financial education instructor. She paid off 30000 in credit card debt in less than three years and 20000 in student loan with consistent, simple actions. And she also gave up shopping for a year. So we definitely have to find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Bree. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for joining us. Why don't we um, just have you give us a little background about how you got to be this amazing um, money expert that you Mm. are? Yeah. Well, I think most of us out in the world, if we're teachers, we're teaching from a standpoint of what we struggled with, right? So as you mentioned- Why we started this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I love that in your first episode. Yes. I struggled for years with my money and I didn't really know how to not struggle with my money, frankly. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, You know, growing up, money was not something that we talked about in my household. And so, you know, before I knew it, when I was 18, I got my first credit card because they love to um, get those college bound students Mm -hmm. with a credit Mm -hmm. card. And I had my first swipe at a CD store. It's going to date me a little bit. And I bought a bunch (laughs) of CDs for a hundred dollars. And that really started my just shopping spree. And I did that through college and it didn't really catch up with me until I moved to New York city. It was 21 moved to New York city when all of a sudden I, my boss is working in a magazine. My boss mentioned her credit score and I was 21, almost 22 at the time. And I had no idea what she was talking about. Little tragic. That's kind of tragic. (laughs) And so I went and got my credit score and I looked it up and you know, if it's not good, they're going to tell you all the reasons why it is not good. And so that was kind of a shocker to me. And I had this moment where I had seen family members as I was growing up struggle with money and it be the source of stress. And I always told myself, I'm never going to be that person. That's never going to be me. But I didn't know how to not be that person because Mm -hmm. I wasn't taught. And that's just the Mm -hmm. only thing that I knew from my surroundings. 
And it was that moment that I decided I had to make a change. And so I created an Excel sheet. And the one I give to my students now has a lot more bells and whistles, but I used this very basic Excel sheet for years and got myself out of debt. I used the snowball method at the time. I had no idea that's what I was doing. I just <laughs> the thing that was most motivating to me in order to pay it off. And I did that. And so I would tell anyone who would listen, especially any individuals who identified as women, like, well, let me tell you how to like run your budget because so many of my friends were stressed out about it. And it wasn't until I gave up shopping for a year, probably eight years later, that really had a incredible profound impact on me where I really connected the dots between our emotions, how happy we are, how we're feeling, our mindfulness and our spending behaviors and habits. And that is when I really just kind of had this aha moment of like, holy smokes, do people know this? Like, oh my <laughs> gosh, I have to tell everyone who will listen about this. And that led me to create the School of Betty. And here I am. And I have to ask, um, where did you come up with the name? It's oh, such a fun, great name. I yeah, love it. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. So Betty is my granny, or the middle I would pronounce it granny. That was my granny's name. And she was this really incredible woman who owned her own business back in the day when it was mostly men. She had her own real estate business. She was on her Nordic track, if you remember that, like yes. into her 80s. She um, was constantly learning bridge and uh, donating to her community. And so I grew up spending a lot of time with her. And when I think of a badass, someone who's just killing it, I think of my granny, Betty. And so um, a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis, I think about her all the time and she was just such a classy lady. And so when I was thinking of what I wanted to name my business, I was like, oh my gosh, the school of Betty that's it. Like it encompasses so much more than money because right. you know, we're managing our lives as well. And yes. so that is where it came from. Thank you for so asking. So cute. I love that. <laughs> we had one guest who said that you need to come up with a granny name for yourself and then you, and then you yes. should take, you know, Mine's take Shirley. care of Wanda. You want to take yeah. care of Wanda for later, you know, <laughs> you don't want to leave Tiffany. Wanda hanging out. I think it's the Bajanisa who says that. Yes, it is. Yes. Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany Alicia. Right. Amazing. Yes. Yes. So good. You're right. It is her. Well, that is amazing. Okay. So then let's get into it. How did you, had you already, the eight years later when you gave up shopping, had you paid down some debt or is that when you, you really got serious about it or you'd already paid off the debt by that point? And then this was a new thing you were adding. Let's get specific here. Oh yeah. That's such a good question because I had paid off my debt my husband and I did not have any credit card debt. I started paying off that debt when I was um, single or I was dating my husband. We weren't married yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, I was still paying off my student loans. I was maybe, or actually, I think I'd already paid that off. The thing that happened, we bought a house, you know, we went through that whole gauntlet of really like putting as much money as we could for our down payment and really we wanted to do that pretty quickly into our marriage and moving in, moving to Colorado. And mm-hmm. so we did that. And I had ended up taking a year off from work to do some freelance work. And prior to that, I was working in PR in New York City. And what happened was we had a really major just financial shift that had to happen. We had already bought our house and 
what happened to us, which is very common, is we got very relaxed with our finances. Once we had that big purchase, it just felt like, oh my gosh, it took us so long to save that money. So we got really relaxed. So we weren't really putting our money into a savings account like we should. I was not working full time. However, I was shopping like I still was running events in New York City. I didn't have anyone to wear those clothes for. And so, I mean, I was still at DSW and Ross every week. I wasn't buying designer things, but you know, when you're dropping 300 bucks a pop mm -hmm. going to a store like that, when you don't have a consistent cash flow or income, that's a problem. <laughs> so, we had this moment hurt. my husband was laid off. Ooh. Our emergency Ouch. savings was not what it should have been. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the oh crap moment of, oh, I have to do something drastic. And so I gave up shopping, not because I was just curious about the experiment for myself. Mm -hmm. I did it out of necessity because I, I had a high awareness that I shopped more than I needed to. And it was something that although I could have quote unquote afford it and we didn't have credit card debt and, or if we put it on a card, we'd pay it off. It didn't mean that I was actually moving my money in a way that was working for me. Mm -hmm. And that was a big aha and a big proof point of how it was not working because we had this big shift in our financial circumstances and we were shaking in our booties because it's mm -hmm. like, oh gosh, we have to do something. And so that's why I gave up shopping for a year because I was doing a lot of shopping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's how it started. It was an after effect, right? Mm -hmm. We think sometimes that just because we're sticking with a budget that everything's cool with our money. But if we haven't identified what we're trying to work for or goals that we have in our life or things that we want to do, it's real easy just to spend your money or just allow your money to just kind of be there and not actually work in a way that is best suited for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. So good. So when, at what point then did you decide to get your, become a financial education instructor and really focus, you know, the life coach and, and really focus on helping other women with that too? Gosh, that was probably, I just started the school of buddy three years ago. And so that okay. first time of me giving up shopping was about eight years ago. I think okay. it was quite a while back. Okay. And, you know, I started the School of Buddy as a total side hustle at, you know, I was um, a director of marketing at a performing arts center. So I ran all their analytics and strategy. And mm -hmm. um, I love, I'm a theater kid. So I love the Are performing arts. Do you still arts. do that? I, I do 20 hours for them right now. Okay. Um, just kind of on the strategy side. But mm -hmm. so, yeah, I started the School of Buddy totally as a side hustle. And that was probably eight years after I gave up that that first year of no shopping. And I say the first one because I've done two more since then. Wow. Oh, I'll just randomly be like, you know, I feel like my shopping behavior is getting a little <laughs> creeping out of the like safe zone. And so I do it again, just as a way to get back into gratitude, to recognize mm -hmm. how much I have around me to, mm -hmm. um, not force, but actually discover new ways to make myself happy, to mm -hmm. um, pass the time when I'm not bored. Pretty much a lot of the things that individuals are probably experiencing now in quarantine, <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't have the right. easy distraction to yeah. kind of 
go shopping. Most of my students are high performers. So they shop because they like to check something off the list or they're <laughs> bored. Like they're just used to being super active all the time. So and I think kind of going into what you're saying about like, you know, finding time to like be grateful for what we have in the moment. And that's such a great practice to do for that. And I, like you said, I think a lot of us are doing that now during quarantine is, exactly. you know, like a lot of us, you know, unfortunately did lose either their jobs or, you know, got pay cuts. So it's, we really don't have that expendable money to be like, oh, let's just go on Amazon or Target or just wander around Target for hours and buy like $500 worth of things that we didn't need. Um, yeah. it's, it's definitely a time to really, you know, be more mindful of where we're putting our money. And I mean, I cleaned out pretty much everything around our house and, you know, going through just like all of my um, like cosmetics and bath products and shampoos, like you would not believe how many like of the same I had, you know, and I think a lot of it is just because, you know, throughout when it's not quarantined, when we're, you know, hustling and going through every day, we just go to Target and we're like, oh, I think I need shampoo. Let me just grab one really quick. And then, you know, you just kind of go through those motions. And so I think this time, as much as it's crazy and weird and whatever, it's also such a blessing in disguise because, we really have that time to be more mindful of where our money is going and not, you know, just buying things because we're bored or because we want to feel happier, you know, trying to find what really, you know, makes us happy and the more soulfulness of it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't have instant gratification in there yeah. either, right? Even mm -hmm. if you were tempted to go online, the odds of you actually being able to get it the next day or within the time frame that you're used to is yep. not there. And that's actually a big enough deterrent for a lot of individuals to mm -hmm. kind of be like, ah, it's not worth it anymore <laughs> because I'm not going to get that, that quick hit that I like really want. Mm -hmm. And you said something that's really powerful and that it, this period of time, yes, it's super stressful for individuals just depending on what your financial circumstances mm -hmm. are, but it is forcing us to have more mindfulness and be aware and not only just of our shopping habits and our behaviors, but just how we feel, mm -hmm. right? Like money's highly emotional or spending is driven by our emotions. And we're in a space now, like I said earlier, where it's like those distractions, those ways to cope or celebrate that we're used to are not readily available anymore. So many individuals are experiencing some significant shifts in their spending behaviors mm -hmm. right now, not because they want to, but because they're kind of forced into it. And I do think a lot of them are going to be beautiful, healthy things that will probably stick with them beyond pandemic when mm -hmm. we are actually, you know, operating back out in the world. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've written a couple of articles about um, the five ways COVID-19 might be shifting your spending habits, three actions mm -hmm. to relieve COVID-19 money stress. Maybe you could go into a little bit uh, some of those things that we could shift our habits and, and help with money stress. Share some yeah. of those. Totally. So I write a lot on the topic. And as we started to move into this quarantine COVID-19, it totally changed the game for so many of us, right? And mm -hmm. I tell individuals all the time that it has to get really uncomfortable for you to want to make change in your life, mm -hmm. regardless if it's money, it could be working out, it could be your food habits, whatever. And because we actually have a really high tolerance <laughs> for pain and being uncomfortable as humans. And so we kind of have to almost hit that rock bottom as cliche as it sounds. And this is it. 
right? So when we hear, we hear very logical things about our money all the time. One of them being, you should have an emergency fund, right? Mm -hmm. And that sometimes doesn't ever sink in until you're actually in an emergency and hello, we are, we are here in pandemic in an emergency, right? And so that is going to be super stressful for so many individuals. And even if you have an emergency fund and you feel pretty okay about your job, there are just a lot of unknowns. There's just a lot of anxiety that's kind of floating around. And when we have that mixed in with trying to make money decisions, it can be super overwhelming. And so we're not going to be able to alleviate all of the stress that we might have around our money, but we can actually take some pretty easy simple steps that can help us alleviate um, some of the feelings that we're experiencing. And the first one being is like, actually know your numbers. And you're not going to want to look at them right now because it might feel really scary. But, and when I say know your numbers, I mean, just basic, we're not talking like high level budgeting, but it's like, how much money do I have coming in? And then how much does it cost me to survive? Knowing that how you deem survival skills might be different than someone else, right? Someone is going to do everything they can to keep their virtual therapy sessions, to keep their workout sessions for their mental health. And so understand that survival means different for each individual, but it's like food, shelter, roof over your head for you to stay healthy and whole. Mm -hmm. So how much do you have coming in? How much does it cost you to like keep a roof over your head and survive? How much are those minimum debt payments? Worst case scenario, we might not be able to pay on the debt. Worst case, not ideal, but if we know at least what those minimum payments are, we can stay good in the process. Mm -hmm. And so once we know those numbers, then you have a really specific number. And that's like either you are cool with your expenses or you have a gap, right? Maybe you have $300 a month. You're like, okay, I'm short $300 a month. But knowing you need to find 300 extra dollars a month is a very specific number. And that for your brain, it can do something with when it's just like, I don't have enough money. It's just on the hamster wheel spinning around, just freaking you out. (laughs) And you're just going to sit there in fear and not actually moving forward. So if we know specifics, we can actually take a step and take action towards that $300 that we need. So that's the first step that I feel like everyone really needs to do. That's like the step and the biggest step to do to like alleviate some of that stress is just Mm -hmm. knowing how much you have, what's coming in the door, what's leaving um, so that you have a really clear vision of what you need to try to figure out. Mm -hmm. So good. So important. I mean, and I think we talked about that in almost all of our episodes is how important it is to check your bank account on a regular basis. And, you know, it it is scary, especially during these times. But I mean, if you don't, you won't be able to fix anything if you don't know what you need to fix. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think you don't look at it because it's emotional. Right. Right. I think you even give some tips on, um, instead of making it a scary thing, how you can turn it into a positive thing and like af- kind of like an affirmation that you can do for mm-hmm. looking, um, looking at your bank account. Oh, totally. So I believe that, well, I, science tells us, right? Neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. we can rewire our brain. What we tell it, it will believe. It's real mm-hmm. smart, our right. brain. <laughs> so Easy, isn't it? Choosing our words are really important. Mm-hmm. 
And so one of the things, you know, to actually make money fun is we have to start to desensitize it in a little bit. Like it can't be that heightened Mm -hmm. and money is a thing. It can't take on an emotion unless you give it an emotion, right? So if you're feeling stress around your money, recognize that you get to choose to give it stress or you get to choose to say money's really fun. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you can desensitize yourself a little bit is to actually check your bank account every day, right? Because when you're looking at it without judgment, being curious and, and saying to yourself, these are just numbers, it has a pretty powerful impact on you. When my students do that for at least a week, all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's not so scary. And you're like, yeah, you know, when you go into a gym class for the, or like a new workout class. Mm-hmm. And it's like really awkward because you don't, everyone's doing their thing and they know where everything is. And you don't know that yet it feels really uncomfortable, but by class two or three, you feel comfortable. So I always say what's uncomfortable now, it's going to get comfortable, but you have to keep doing it in order for it to like move through that cycle. So that's number one. And then I always encourage my students to actually, you know, talk about money differently. So the number one thing, if you want to actually really make money fun is to start thinking about money, like a relationship you care about. People think I'm off my rocker when I say, no, I love it. It doesn't have to be a romantic. It could be a best friend, but when you think about relationships, you really care about, you know, you think about what, what do I do? How do I interact? It's you want to spend time with them. You say nice things about Mm -hmm. them you want to do things for them, you enjoy learning about them. Like there are just so many things about a relationship you care about that can give a nice big indicator to us of how to behave with our money. Mm-hmm. And once we start behaving with our money in that way, it changes the game because when we talk about managing our money and really having um, financial success, it starts with having a really good relationship with it. If you're mm-hmm. afraid to look at it, it can't help you, right? Money's going to do its thing regardless if you're going to pay attention to it or not. And it's not a scary thing. It's there to help us live this really amazing life, but we have to be the ones to actually move it in a way that works for us. It's like, I, I always say it's like a sock. A sock can't do its job of keeping your foot warm unless you put the sock on. It's the same for money. It's here to help you live a really awesome life and support you, but it can't do it unless you tell it where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And so one of the best mantras that I love, especially for individuals who are just starting out with their money or they just like, it's, you know, stressful to them Mm -hmm. is, um, I'm good at this. This is fun. I love doing it. It sounds so hokey. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't to me. I think it sounds great. But we need to reframe your brain. We need to make money fun because your brain moves towards pleasure and it moves away from pain. So if money is something you always deem as painful or stressful, the odds of you wanting to avoid it are really high. And we want to spend time with it because when you spend time with it and look at your numbers, when things pop up, you feel really calm. Like most of my students right now feel very calm. Their situation might've changed, but they know how resourceful they are. They know their numbers and that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love that. Oh, such, such good words of wisdom there. And, uh, and it is one of those things it, it, I'm sure to a lot of people, this probably does sound a little woo woo or a little, um, a little 
Oh yeah. Right. You just start saying you're better at it and you get better at it. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have to start saying you're better at it. If you want to get better at it, you really yeah. do. <laughs> I mean, if your brain believes you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, the, those words matter for sure. They really do. They yeah. do. James Clear, uh, the author of Atomic Habits. I am currently reading that right now and it's probably one of the best habits books that I've ever read. Um, I've read, I think, High Performance Habits too, which I really liked, but I don't know, his just writing, it just sticks like the second he says it. But um, he talks a lot about like, you know, your identity and how your habits kind of reclaim your identity. And so, you know, if you for the instance, for something like this, like if you want to be good at money, you can't ever really make those habits. You won't ever stick to a habit if you don't really believe that's who you are, that's the identity that you want to become. And so I just, I love, I think that's such an important, I guess, like lesson to learn is, you know, your identity is your habits. And so if you can just tell yourself, I am good at money and I'm, or I'm learning. And if I can just take five minutes a day to just check my bank account and maybe cancel a subscription that I haven't used in a month or whatever, you know, and as I've noticed that every, like, since I've um, listened to his book, every habit that I do, I just feel so much, I don't know. It just feels a lot more like, What's the word? Not confirming. Yeah. Yeah. It feels a lot more empowering to know, like, I am this because I'm doing it. You know, like I'm actually just, just quickly check your bank account. Like I am smarter with my money because I'm, I know I have, you know, I know what is in there. So um, just a little spiel about him because I've been so obsessed with this book, but I just, I think that's such a powerful way of thinking about it and kind of going into what you said, just having a mantra and really sticking to that so you can feel empowered to do it. Yeah. And it, it's not to say that we can't feel right. I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. big one on like, you don't yeah, need to course. spiritual bypass anything or not feel <laughs> the feels. Feelings aren't bad. They're great indicators for us, mm-hmm. but it's great for us to feel those. And I love one of the things about, you know, just habits in general is, is one, we can create new ones. It's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a habit right now that doesn't serve you doesn't mean that it's going to always be that way. And what's so powerful about acknowledging and saying those I am statements mm-hmm. is it shifts your brain into a different mode where you're actually looking for the thing that you want to find, right? We will always find what we're looking for. So if you keep telling yourself all the reasons why you're bad at managing your money, guess what? You're going to find them and mm-hmm. it will prove out your original thought. Or you can look for all the reasons you're actually good at money, good at managing your money and making progress. And guess what? Your brain's going to look for all of those reasons that are going to prove that out. So it is so powerful what you say to yourself. I think I've said that five times now, but that's how much I believe it. No, I love (laughs) it. It's the truth. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Yeah. Well, another one of your things that you talk about is the Enneagram and money. Um, and we'll, we'll start out by saying we know that you have mentioned you're not an Enneagram expert, but it is fun to look at. So let's dive into that a little bit and take a look at um, Enneagram types and their money. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is why I love it so much. So one of the foundations that I feel like is so powerful with your money in general is knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. And yes, have a budget, do all those things. But we first have to know where we're starting from. We have to know our tendencies. We have to know our habits. Like when you understand and know yourself, like your authentic code, who you are, you are better equipped to create habits that serve you well 
to move your money in the right way. It's just, it's so powerful. You could probably Google any test, any personality test plus money, and you'd probably just find a plethora of crazy stuff. Right. So, um, I love the Enneagram. I've only discovered it in probably in the last two, three years. And, and so I started to just dive into it a little bit deeper. It's pretty complex. Um, I think the two of, you know, as you kind of like get into the layers of it, but I found that it was really powerful because it just, it kind of alleviates some of this shame we might have around, our tendencies towards certain things, like either mm-hmm. mostly the things that we're probably not the best at, you know, our shadow work things that were just like, Ugh, I don't love to admit that I'm kind of this person, but there's something about taking a personality test, not to put us in a box, but it allows us to kind of just release some of the, the um, pressure and the shame that we might feel around certain things. And so I started doing some research around the Enneagram and money because I wanted to just be able to peel back the layers a little bit more for myself. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go over each of the numbers. And I found this book that I want to call out because it was super inspirational to me. And it's called Money from Fear to Love, Using the Enneagram to Create Wealth, Prosperity, and Love. Now, this author, Dr. Margaret H. Smith, has no idea who I am. <laughs> but she, um, what's powerful about this book is she gave each um, number, so each type, um, kind of a money type, which is very similar to, to the number, but then she kind of goes through how, um, how that kind of plays out with your money. But should we go into, yeah, let's dive in. Let's do it. So which I'm, which is, I'm curious, what is your money? What is your Enneagram number? I am a two with a very strong wing three. Okay. And this is this is very um, confusing for me because I also related to an eight, but when twos are in stress, um, when they are out of alignment, they are in eight mode, right? And so um, I that's what's really fascinating. We have all the numbers in us, right? Yeah, we just right. kind of lean more yeah. towards one or the other, but it's really fascinating mm-hmm. to me how that plays out with our money is if you know your number and how you're operating in a time of stress, you can also go look at that number and say, mm-hmm. how does this person operate in money? And so it's just fun to like get super layered about it. But yeah, yeah. that is super interesting. Oh, I think I'm a seven, but I definitely, there's parts of two that, um, that I'm like, Ooh, well maybe I'm a two, I don't know. but I think I'm pretty sure I'm a seven from the test that I've done. Uh, it's been quite a while, but, and then Angelica, it sounds like you and I'm Brie a, are quite similar. Yeah. I'm a three. And then with a two, like right behind. Um, yeah. So those, yeah, definitely very similar. <laughs> and I can mm-hmm. totally relate to the two as it, like, as the like money tendencies. Oh my gosh. It's so mean. I'm, um, I definitely, when I'm looking at the money type, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's dive in. Let's start with one. So type one on the Enneagram is moral perfectionist. And you'll see different names. They're very similar, but you'll see different um, sites kind of naming them differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but their money type, and again, this was um, coined by um, Dr. Smith, not my words at all, but um, the money type she gives is ordering. Which I love this. So it's principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and a perfectionist. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can, we yeah. can think of those things around mm-hmm. just our behaviors and habits in general. And especially as it like translates into our money so, Two, yeah. which is what I am 
um, which and Angelica has a little bit of, um, yeah. is supportive advisor. And that money type is giving. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. hands down, right? Save the world. Here's my money. Over give. Like, yep, I, just, uh -huh. <laughs> I just feel the love. Yes. So generous, um, demonstrative, people pleasing, possessive. It's the people pleasing part in the two that can get us in financial, <laughs> a financial problem. And generous too. Generous. Yeah. Yeah, I have like, definitely made loans to people that I should not have made. There you go. Given outside of your means. <laughs> yeah. Well, the possessive part too is a little interesting in that I'm like curious to know more. Like it's like so giving and generous, but then possessive. So it, I don't know. I feel like they're a little contradictory. Yes. Yeah. And those, those are general of like how they are just kind of the type itself mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. you could kind of you could say that's leaning more towards like a relationship because they're pretty okay over like relationships yeah yeah okay that makes sense that yeah makes sense? yeah yeah so three is successful achiever i am heavy on the three so much mm -hmm. so that i'm like am i a three right and yeah. that's the crazy <laughs> thing about the enneagram is it's you can't type someone yourself because it's all about your tendencies which only mm -hmm. you know right and so um I, that's why you're saying like, I think I'm this number because you're <laughs> mm -hmm. kind of like, am I typing myself right? I'm not sure. But a three <laughs> successful achiever and that money type is striving. So threes are adaptable. They're excelling. They're driven. They're image conscious. So you can tie that into how that might look with money of like wanting nice things, wanting mm -hmm. to look really good. Um, and I am pointing out some of the hurdles, I guess, to some of these numbers, but there are good qualities too, that we can also talk about yeah. as well. I feel um, like these do address both because mm -hmm. there's good, there's good things about being image conscious. And then there's negatives about being image totally. conscious. Oh, totally. So and as extremes. an achiever, you know, threes are very likely yeah. to actually like use their money as a way, like a tool as a way to like serve mm -hmm. them really well. So totally. Yeah. Um, four is a romantic individualist who I always like to think of fours of like our artist types who are just, mm -hmm. you know, don't really love a ton of structure. Money type is personalizing. <laughs> I think I'm all of them. You're all of them, right? <laughs> well, you really are. Yeah. So fours are expressive. They're dramatic. They're self-absorbed. Those sound kind of rough. They're temperamental. Um, <laughs> let's just say that they go with their flow. They kind of like, um, they don't like a ton of structure around mm -hmm. things. You know, the gifts for a four with their money is that they have the ability to just think super creatively about how they use their money and make it work for them, right? So you can yeah. think of this as being really resourceful in a challenging situation. So that is a gift mm -hmm. that fours definitely have. Okay, five, yes. investigative thinker. Mm. So their money type is actually minimizing so fives are perceptive, they're innovative, secretive, isolated. So you're noticing the last two things I say are kind of the um, unsavory words maybe mm -hmm. for each type, but we mm -hmm. have to accept it all, right? We yeah, got to accept right. the, whole, <laughs> the whole thing. Um, money gifts for fives, they know what they want. Yeah. They know yeah, what they want, important. they know what they desire, um, and they aren't willing to risk being too vulnerable. So what that means is they, they spend within their means, right? They're a yeah. little bit more conservative, yeah. uh, minimizing. You can see how that plays, you know, not someone who's just going to like yeah. overcomplicate things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a Number six, six is the loyal guardian. So their money type okay. is securing. 
oh my gosh, securing. They love the security. So they're engaging, they're responsible, but they can also be anxious and suspicious, right? Which you can see how that is on the flip side of being responsible, mm -hmm. right? Super responsible, is this risky? And like start questioning um, what's behind it. So the thing about sixes that's really awesome with their money is they do their research, right? Yeah. We all know that one person when they have to go buy a washing machine or something, yeah. <laughs> they, have, they have searched high and low for, the, this is my husband, they have searched high Same. and low for like the prices, the Me brand, too, and sometimes. they know it. Yeah, <laughs> they know it. So they always do their research. So they mm. always get really good deals. Sixes, killing it <laughs> on the deal game. All right, number seven. Yep. <laughs> entertaining optimist so this money type, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this is optimizing is their money type so they're spontaneous they're versatile they're inquisitive they are scattered right so there's a lot of creativity and free-flowing with seven so the money gift mm -hmm. for a seven is that they really want to make money so they can do what they love so this actually leads to really high earning potential, right? Because someone is not ever seeing the, the ceiling that they might hit. It's like, I want to go on that month long trip to Ireland, whatever it is. Yeah. And so sevens yeah. are very creative. You're like, yeah, that sounds good. Sevens are <laughs> sounds very, <amazing. laughs> very creative and they're not afraid to spend their resources. So for a lot of um, individuals, it's not necessarily they spend too much money their money block can be that they don't spend money. It's like really hard for them to let it go. That is not something that a seven experiences, right? That could be mm -hmm. good. And then that could be not yes. so good, right? Depending on situation. Right. <laughs> so number eight is the protective challenger and their money type is exerting. So they're self-confident, they're decisive, willful, confrontational. Eights are not afraid to ask for something on a bill that wasn't correct right? So they're really good at negotiating. It's one of their money gifts. They're good at negotiating and they're not afraid to correct mistakes on bills. I, if I'm at a restaurant, I'm actually, I can do this now, but I remember growing up, if someone wasn't, they didn't like their food or they, um, saw a mistake on a bill, I would just be so embarrassed if they sent it <laughs> back or, and that's definitely a like female thing too. I think sometimes, um, but mm -hmm. eights does not eight, right? They are just like, nope, this is not what I ordered or this isn't correct. So that stuff does not scare them at it's, all. It's funny because I mean, I, um, I've never been scared by that, but I do think there's an art to that For sure. uh, it, because it's um, definitely one of those things. I mean, I've been with people who it's like, I don't like this or whatever. And it's like, no, there's ways to say this isn't, you know, this isn't what I was expecting yeah. or, you know, yeah. and so, but it's, I, it's very unemotional to me because it's like, well, the person that we're talking to didn't prepare this food. Right. They're just the waiter. They don't yes. care. They just, they just want you to be happy because they know if they can make you happy, you're going to give them a bigger tip. <laughs> they can do it in a respectful way. Exactly. And eights are really good at sticking with budgets. Part of that's is like willpower and willfulness. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm sticking to this, right? So it's a challenge for them. And then the last number is a number nine. So a number nine is kind of not the total opposite of an eight, but they're the peaceful mediator. Like they don't like the confrontation. They really want to keep the peace. So their money type is settling. So nines are receptive. They're reassuring. They can be complacent and resigned, right? So that's kind of the flip side of just accepting everything that kind of comes along. Mm -hmm. Now their money gifts is um, 
that mindfulness we were talking about before. They recognize all the abundance that is around them and they want to look for ways that they want to keep the peace. So they want to look for ways that money can actually help them do that. So they can actually be very responsible with their funds for sure. Mm -hmm. That is just yeah. a hot rundown. I mean, that is a, so that's a great rundown. I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I you should it. definitely all go download her freebie on on her site because it she breaks them down. And then also, it, I love it that you have the money mantras. Um, so it's you know those affirmations again, telling yourself those things every day, and you just you organize it so beautifully. It's such a great document. I'm, oh, I'm, thank right. you. Yeah, because it's perfect for you know. I mean, just taking uh, seven since that's mine. Yeah. The money mantra budgeting gives me freedom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because yeah, I used to I, I used to be that person that said budgeting was the bad B word. That's actually the name of a module in one of my courses, the B word. I love it. <laughs> um, so Great. yes, yes. Uh, please go download it and do it because it gives you a couple of different things you can look at. So what are yeah. your gifts? What are the challenges you might have around money? What are some actions you can take? So um, I love those little snapshots that just get people moving forward that feel mm-hmm. really simple because that's where mm-hmm. the magic sauce is for sure. Yeah. Yes. Well, and it's good that you give, uh, uh, you know, action steps, mantras, things that they can specifically do to move forward right there with their relationship with money. And that's so powerful. So definitely uh, she's got that great free download and she also has the free cash flow crash course. Mm-hmm. So go take that. And then coming up, you've got, uh, and you run this every what two to three months, fierce finances. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So fierce finances is my group coaching program. It's eight weeks and I take a small group of um, individuals who identify as women and I take them through like the five foundational things that I feel like are really important for your money game. So, you know, your emotions and your habits, how you learned about your money into budgeting and actually creating a tracking system that works for you. That's kind of the sauce, right? It's one Mm -hmm. thing to put your numbers down. It's totally different thing to stick to it. Um, So really making sure that everyone knows how that works for them. We go through their debt and we create a debt elimination plan. We do visioning work. They're going to know their values, which are also super important to see if you're in alignment with your spending and your values in your life and to know where you want to go. And, um, and then we create a roadmap, right? I'm going to give them a big foundation around credit scores and net worth and investing 101. And really the goal is when my students leave this program, they have a budget that works for them. They have a debt plan. They've probably already paid off some of their debt and they actually feel really knowledgeable and confident. That is the key word. They feel super confident about making money decisions for themselves. And that is, it's, um, man, women live on average seven years longer. They're on average out of the workforce for 19 years, caring for family members, whether that's like raising children or taking care of a loved one. That's a lot of time, right? And so I feel very passionate that women especially um, need to feel confident and empowered around their money because Mm -hmm we might be standing a lot longer, right? It's, and, and just because of some of the things that are, you know, here in our world right now and that there's, you know, we don't make as much as men and all these other things, we just need to move our money differently um, so that we're taking care of ourselves. Yeah. So powerful. 
If y'all do not follow um, School of Betty on Instagram, be sure and do that because she has so many great posts on there and they're simple. I love the one um, that you talk about choosing to ignore your money right now is like getting in a car with a blindfold, pushing mm. the pedal to the metal and praying you get to your destination. And then yeah. you would drive the car, boo. <laughs> 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 yes. I mean, gosh, we are the only ones who can, you, not we, you, I'm talking to you now, listener. You're the only one that can change your money game. Mm -hmm. um, you can read all day long. People can try to encourage you, but it's going to require that you actually take the action. It feels really scary, but you know, I believe that managing your finances, it's one of the biggest forms of self-care that you can do for yourself because your money, if regardless, if you want to accept this or not, is going to be a part of your life every single day for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere, boo. I also <laughs> say that a lot. So you need to create a relationship with it, right? Mm -hmm. It might as well be really fun and you might as well enjoy managing it and allowing it to work for you, helping you accomplish your dreams and things that you want to do in your life instead of being this like sore spot that's really stressful every day. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for all of your time yes. and knowledge that you've given us and for all the resources you give to your audience out there. I definitely encourage our audience to go follow you and, you know, sign up for the crash course, see if, you know, and just really start building. And I like that you call it that, like building a relationship with that because mm -hmm. with your money, because it's just oh, such a different way. It's like, you know, um, personifying it and giving it like kind of, like we talked about earlier, giving it a name or something. Yeah, so you can totally. They're making that change. Um, well, we like to always wrap up every episode um, asking our guests two questions. Uh, the first question being, what is your definition of success? Mm. My definition of success now is um, being able to enjoy and celebrate the progress. Mm, that, that is not what I would have said three years ago. <laughs> I, um, I think it's really easy, or at least it is, it was for me to get really caught on the goal. Mm -hmm. And, um, it only takes one, it only takes one time to hit that goal and knock it out of the park and to feel that fleeting moment of celebration, to feel how fast it goes away. And then to feel that like, now what? Yep. Mm -hmm. But if you're celebrating your progress, like the whole way all along the way, not only is it just more enjoyable and fun, but you're probably actually paying attention to your life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like knocking things down on my way to hit the goal. And that's successful to me. It's so yeah. hard for everyone to do that. That to me, if I'm doing that in my day to day life, I'm like, man, I'm nailing it. I, I love that. that. We have so oh good. Mm, so good. That and that's, I mean, I think maybe because it's, taken me so long and because I haven't, I'm not a super goal oriented person. I think that's why I, I mean, cause one of the things that I am so grateful for is that I am such a happy person just yeah. always. And I, and I think it. it's because I haven't ever been goal, yeah. goal, 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 <laughs> so, which is good. <laughs> so totally good. it works yeah. out. It work. <laughs> it all works together and I'm really thankful for it. So, yeah. and I like, well, you mentioned, um, when, like when you hit that goal now, what it's like always mm -hmm. that, you know, and it's so true. If you're just constantly celebrating those little wins or the progress, you don't ever feel that like emptiness when you've hit the goal and don't 
have anything to do next. If yeah, right. you got to enjoy that journey, friend, because mm-hmm. that's, that's what we're on. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about, the journey. Mm-hmm. Well, then our second thing that we always ask is, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? Mm, fun. Love it. A lot of people aren't going to think that. No, Money's fun for me. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, freedom. That's the number one answer. Oh my gosh, for, for sure. sure. Right. When you have a good relationship with money, whew, world's yeah. your oyster. Um, and abundance. I like to oh, think of money that. as this resource that's just like there will always be there for us. It's not finite. And I don't mean that in a trite sense of like not understanding privilege or opportunities that you have, but your time and energy, it's finite, right? We're all going to leave this 3d world. Um, but money is something that is, um, an energetic flow. And I love to think of it as being abundant because when you think of it that way, um, you're just more creative and open to all the possibilities of how you can receive it in your life and Mm -hmm. use it, um, to your advantage, meaning to, to get you to that like perfect life that you want to live. Yeah. Right. Love that so much. Well, this has just been so much fun. Why don't you go ahead and tell us where all we can find you, all the places. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me. I spend a lot of my time on Instagram. So Tisha said at the school of Betty, you can find me there. I'm also on Facebook at Betty school. School of Betty was taken. I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, you can also find me, my resources, my classes, um, at the school of and please feel free to reach out. I always love hearing from individuals. I read all the DMS and um, I'm happy to just give you a quick little nugget of info if you need it. So. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, definitely go check her, uh, Instagram out her website out. She's got lots of great information and lots of great freebies. And, uh, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. Okay, you all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.